0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 139 of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. And today we are talking to Anna Akana, the creator, star, and uh, producer of Miss 2059, the show that I directed and talked a lot about on this podcast and had a baby during. <laughs> and she is you know, very well known on YouTube. She's got millions of fans and followers and... Uh, is also a director and an actor, and we are really going to talk about her perspective as an actor working with directors, what she likes, what she doesn't like. We're going to talk about her life as kind of this celebrity, you know, kind of a known person in certain circles and how that affects her work and her job and her life, and it's going to be fun. But before we talk to Anna, I was really curious,
1: Matt, what have you been working on lately? Well, we um, it's been kind of a, a while since we've recorded, so I feel like a lot of things have happened but i think maybe the most interesting one is that in between uh last episode and this one i went to the palm springs international film festival which was is a big big shorts festival it's kind of one of the main ones that focuses exclusively on shorts there aren't any features or anything like that which makes it really special and you know we've always been a fan of the festival so you know we decided to go out this time around and having been to a lot of different festivals over the last couple of years The really great thing about a shorts festival or a shorts program is that you see, you know, uh, five, six, sometimes even seven or eight shorts in one program, right? So in 90 minutes, you see movies from all over the world from a a ton of different filmmakers with different perspectives and different stories to tell. And it's a really great way to just kind of shotgun different perspectives. And Palm Springs in particular really takes that international programming directive to heart They make sure that they're getting, I think it's a 50% of their... Uh, Programming at the bare minimum is international. And so you're seeing films in all different languages and from all different walks of life. And it's just wonderful. It's really great. Uh, And it also reminds me that when you're at a festival, a lot of what they're cultivating and selling is uh, that culture of filmmakers. So you're getting to know different people. You're getting to meet different people. It's really a great time. So um, I totally recommend it. And did you see any shorts where you're like, this sucks, I can make a way better short than this? You know, I think that the programming this year was really, really strong. And I don't think I saw any duds. I've been before and I've been to other programs at very prestigious festivals where you can see why they programmed it. There's something special or interesting or unique about it, but it's not necessarily always a Grand Slam. So it's a really great scenario where you're going to see some things where you're like, oh my God, this is an incredible, incredible short I'm so excited and inspired by how neat and uh, how, how far this filmmaker took a medium that feels kind of inherently uh, and intrinsically limiting, you know, like you've only got a couple minutes, like anywhere from, uh, you know, literally a minute all the way up to around 45 is in the shorts range. Typically, you're gonna see things that are like 12 to 20 minutes long. And then you'll see a couple duds where you're like, hey, I can do better. Well, and yeah, so I think that's, that's like the incredible. most
0: motivating part of a film festival is going to Sundance and seeing a movie and saying like, hmm, I don't think that was that good. I think I yeah. can make a better movie. And then, you know, hopefully if you can follow up on that, then that's then you win. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's why going to festivals is good. It's the best. So, Oren, what have you been working on lately? Well, I just shot a very weird commercial yesterday <laughs> for Quiznos. I just showed Matt. And he said it, that he thinks it's the best thing I've ever done. Which it is, is uh, insulting. No, no, no. <laughs> I said it's my favorite thing you've oh, ever oh, done, which is a different thing. Matt's favorite thing. He also has not watched much of my work. Though. Yeah, and I'm also a weirdo. So um, But it was really it it was so, you know, we talked about this before in advertising, a lot of times you get storyboards before you're even hired. You know, they give you storyboards and they say, How would you accomplish these boards? And the budget was very low. And there are some really hard things to do in the storyboards. There's like a person hanging upside down, a bird picks them up. And they, it's, they also only want us to give us two days to edit this thing today and tomorrow, basically. And so because of that, they said, let's not use any visual effects to make th- this fly. And, you know, I have a visual effects background. So there's something interesting as a director when you're pitching yourself to come and say, like, hey, I know you're asking for this very specific thing and you have really good reasons for it. But I think not doing what you're asking for will be better and safer, and will get better results. And I mean, you really definitely have to kind of work up to that confidence to be able to tell these people that are hiring you that they're wrong and you're this right. Is the right way to do it, yeah. But it's something that I've actually noticed like helps me land more jobs than lose jobs because they almost want you to tell them like how things work you know it, not in a condescending way not in a oh you don't understand filmmaking this is how we do how a green screen works but in a hey this is a really great idea but you know we can we can
1: accomplish more if we use visual effects or if we shoot these elements separately well they you know. do really want to know that you know how to pull it off and you know we always talk about the note within the note on this show and really when they said oh we don't want to do v- vfx what they really meant is they don't have a ton of time or money, uh, so they want to do it in the cheapest and most efficient way and po- as possible. Which is a pretty reasonable standard thing for people to say, but it's easy to overestimate how complicated or time-consuming green screen can be because I feel like whenever you watch a behind-the-scenes video on your favorite TV show or whatever, people are always talking about the amount of labor that it takes to make Life of Pi or The Jungle Book or whatever. But when we're talking about literally compositing a couple different elements together, that's something that kids right now are doing in their bedroom as we speak. Right,
0: and I will say while I do love visual effects and love doing visual effects, my least favorite shoots just from having fun on set angle are green screen shoots because the whole time on set you're telling the client like yeah I know this looks like a bunch of c-stands but this is gonna look cool and something I did this time is I photoshopped every single frame look it's a 15 second commercial there's six shots (laughs) I photoshopped every single shot in full color and everything before we got to set so I could show the client like I know you see just a guy
1: against green screen but this is what it's gonna look like and were you using the reference elements that uh, your production designer or your casting director had sent you? Like, it, was it literally the actor that you'd cast?
0: It, I wonder, was it the actor that we cast? I. Well, I thought of using his audition footage, but I ended up just like, Yeah, I needed a guy reaching up without yeah. his shirt on,
1: which is not what we did in the audition. But what about like um, the specific props or yeah, puppets?
0: So, so he comes out of a cocoon. So the cocoon image I used in my Photoshop file is the same image that I sent the production designer as inspiration for the cocoon that they were going to build. And she sent me some pictures of trees that were options that we could rent. And I chose the tree I liked and I used that photo she took and I cut out the tree to use for our board. So yeah, you know, when you're doing visual effects, there's always this big fear, you know, it's not in your stomach where you're like. I don't know if this is going to work or not. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think there's also something about like having a piece of paper and you can sort of like maybe, you know, tilt it in the right angle so that people see like, oh, I see, this is how the cocoon is going to hang. And when we reorient it in VFX, then it makes sense to them. People also, everyone uses Photoshop nowadays. Everyone, like you can, you know, edit a photo on your phone. So once you kind of put it into those terms people realize how simple it can be.
0: Yeah. You know, when this episode comes out, this spot will already be out. So we'll put a link to it and also my shot list, which is kind of interesting because the first page of the shot list is the six shots that we're going to get as they will look at the end. And then each page after that is a breakdown of the pieces we'll need Mm -hmm. for each shot. I I think it's interesting. It's a little confusing, but I'll post it just in case anyone's
1: into it. You know what would be great also is if we could see the different layers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when we were looking at it together, well, I was like, oh, where, where are your seams? Where's the compositing actually happening here? And I think that could be nice to say, okay, here's the cocoon. Here's where the sandwich is. Here's the tree. Here's the backdrop. And then you'll see how they all fit together.
0: Yeah, for sure. I th- I'll, I'll try to do a visual breakdown of the pieces we actually shot. But yeah, but my boards kind of have that broken out too. But cool. Well, awesome. Let's talk to Anna Akana. Awesome. Thanks,
1: Warden.
2: Arden, I didn't wait! Oh my god, wait! Oh, I thought I wasn't going to make it. The security in this place is insane. And this dick marine was like, you're not on the list. And I was like, dude, that's my sister's face 40 feet high in your building. Also, if you took that photo of you, it's not doing you any favors. Your pores are huge and no one did any work on your eyebrows. So you look so angry. Like, that... Yeah,
0: you look exactly like that. Hey, how's it going, Anna?
2: Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Hello, hello.
0: Thanks for being here. People, we talked about Miss Earth. Basically, like, my production journal is this show. Nice. So everyone knows about you and the show and how difficult you are to work with.
1: with, (sighs) I am, um, I am. Your demands on site. (laughs) So I'm basically here as, like, an arbiter. (laughs) Arbitrator. Arbitrator, thank you. That's what I was looking for. And, um kind of a just a psychiatrist as well just oh, kind of like you. mediate Oren has a lot of things to express to you okay he's going to use a lot of i feel statements but i thought
2: this would be more of like a jerry springer situation mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah uh the dna test is coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah but i
0: think you know obviously we worked together and, and that was really fun but we thought you i mean i do don't know you're like one of the busiest people i know and i know you've just worked with like so many directors and on so many different things and it You were in Ant-Man and Mm -hmm. you've done videos by yourself and like everything in between. And so I think you have like a really good perspective that for our listeners of like kind of probably like what you like in a director and don't like in a director. Mm -hmm. So I think I want to talk about that on one hand, you as a performer, Mm -hmm. which is I think your background, right? You started as a stand-up comic. Yes. And you kind of came, started in front of the camera, but then also obviously you're a director yourself you directed the pilot for Miss Earth that got the whole Project Greenlit, but you also have your own YouTube channel, which is insanely popular. And you're the head of the women's something for YouTube. Oh, what the is women's it? initiative. Yeah, yeah the I'm the creative director for them. Which is all female filmmakers, mm-hmm. right? And so, so, yeah, so I think I, I wanted to ask you about those two things. So maybe we'll start with the, as a performer, Mm -hmm. kind of um working with directors i I guess from my point of view like working with anna what i really liked about her just from like a simply technical point of view which is something that just seems so obvious but like a lot of actors just they don't come to set like knowing all their lines being off book which anna's like really good at that you're obviously like you understand lighting and visual effects and timing and so you know when you're acting you know how to hit your marks and Mm
1: -hmm. know
0: oh shouldn't i duck out of this shot so we have like a clean plate
1: Uh, Basically, maybe what you're saying, Lauren, is that you kind of, as a creator and director, as well as a performer, you understand that extra layer of logistics or technical issues that we're all kind of trying to deal with.
2: Definitely. I feel like uh, making my own stuff for five years has made me so much better as an actor because I I feel like as an actor, I have the easiest job. I show up. Everyone treats me like royalty. They go get breakfast for me or what have you. I just have to know my lines and hit my mark. And I mean, out of everyone on set, I have the least amount of work. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs>
0: have you directed stuff that you did not act in?
2: Uh, yes, I have.
0: Because I, I feel, feel like... I like that is
1: pretty easy. <laughs>
0: well, because I feel like as the director, like you can look so bad. <laughs> you can just be like barely walking and you can still work. Yeah. But as an actor, you have to be like, if you... Are not in a good mood, then it's going to show
1: on camera. Yeah. And as a director, you can just be hating your life. I mean, or just on your phone. You know, like actors, I mean, I guess actors get to be on their phone as well, but you know, we're never lifting anything heavy.
0: Well, so back to you with directors. I I apologize for such an open ended question, but can you tell us some things that you like, like some things you like that directors do with you as a Mm -hmm. performer and some things that you don't like?
2: Um, I like line reads. Like, if you give me a couple oh. takes and I am no, I don't get the inflection, like, it's harder for me to interpret the way you want me to say something. And for some reason, there's, like, a lot of directors, like, are like, oh, I know actors don't like line reads. And I'm like, why? Right. Like, that's perfect. Like, it's it's harder for me to be able to interpret what you're mm-hmm. trying to tell me versus if you just tell me how you want it to be some things that i don't like that a director does I, I don't like when i don't get any feedback at all if something's not working or if if it's not working and they don't say anything cuz they don't f- they feel like they're going to hurt my feelings i feel like a lot of actors are almost treated like very like children like very fragile and stuff and that's kind of annoying cuz i'm like J- just get your shot you know i'm just here to get your shot and I feel like after having directed it's so frustrating cuz like I can communicate with actors this is exactly what I want cuz this is how it's going to fit and then I get really upset when other actors are like my character wouldn't do this my character mm-hmm. wouldn't say it like that like I was doing background I started in background a long time ago and Amber Tamblyn argued with the director for like half an hour about how to say the word no and he was like, just do it the way this other way so we can have it for the edit. And she's like, okay. And then she would just keep doing it her way. And it just drove me bananas. And I think working background also helped me be a better actor and director because you really saw mm-hmm. how much miscommunication there was on set just based on how many people there were and how it really is a miracle to get something good.
0: Yeah. You know, I shadowed this director last year. I think I talked about it on this podcast on that show Stitchers for ABC Family, the pilot, yeah, I don't, Todd I don't Holland. Mean- I'm sure I talked to uh, talked about it. Anyway, I found that when I w- I worked background when I was in I went to UCLA and I like on my days off I would just be like an extra on things because I that's how I like fell in love with like being on set and stuff. I found that I learned way more about filmmaking and being on set and production from being an extra than I did from shadowing the director. Because when you're the director's shadow, you're like kind of supposed to just be silent mm-hmm. and not talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. And when you're an extra, you're kind of like observing you're going you're seeing you're not just in the middle of the action but you're on the sides you're seeing how the whole big machine works and, and you
2: can talk to all of the crew
0: yeah yeah it's, and they like it, it they yeah. love it i mean yeah. if, sp- if you're a, a cute girl it definitely helps <laughs> and uh, to that point i had this guy that he was the prop master on seventh heaven and i'm pretty sure he had a crush on me because he kept like calling me in to do like you know sag- i wasn't in sag but he'd give get me like sag vouchers to be like an extra on seventh heaven like whenever they were shooting oh in God. la
1: Smoke them if you got them, or that's
2: (laughs) what. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like anyone who wants to make anything should definitely do background because you're treated like absolute shit, but you're also, you have so much resources in front of you like i learned most of what i know about lighting just doing background and being like what what are you doing here what's this it's all the good parts
1: of being a pa but you get to go home sooner and you don't have to haul anything yeah yeah i heard this like interesting piece of
0: advice once i forget where it was was, like on some radio show or something but they were talking about like if you want to get if you want to move to hollywood and work like in the art department or whatever You could literally email like the prop master of like Avatar or something, like the biggest movies, because no one ever contacts those people Mm -hmm. as a fan. And so it's like the same thing on set. It's like if you go up to like an electrician and say like, oh, what does this light do? They're like, oh, I'm like the authority here and and you're going to listen to me, I think. It's exciting to be asked about your work.
2: Oh yeah, especially if you're spending twelve to fifteen hours a day doing it. I feel like you got to love it. So yeah. ha- being able to explain that to someone who's interested, I'm sure they're like, "Oh yeah, let me tell you all about electricity."
1: Well, listen up, kid.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Something
0: I would do too, which maybe it's like a little taboo, but I would always like ask people like how much things cost. Like, how much would it cost to rent this like light for a day, or how much does a crane mm. cost? Do you need a permit? Like, because I was always always wanted to know like if in my own production like I think a lot of people in like film school and stuff they see a techno crane like in a behind the scenes shoot on a Steven Spielberg film and they're like well I could never have a techno crane because that must be like a hundred thousand dollars and it's not you know oh. like if you have some hookups or whatever you can probably get it for like five thousand dollars and mm-hmm. and maybe if your budget is only ten thousand dollars maybe spending half of it on a techno crane is worth it you know and so you start uh, you like that fear of like, there's too much stuff and everything's so expensive kind of stops starts dropping when you're mm-hmm. like yeah. asking everyone like how much things cost and how it all works.
2: Well, I think it's cool too because the background, you you pretty much see the big machine. Like you're on a TV show, you're yeah. on a big budget film. But then there are ways to totally cheat that. So I was making YouTube videos when I did background, and so whenever you saw like really cool crane shots, I was like, well, I can't do that. But I like looked at steadicam, and I was like, well, if I sat in a wheelchair and like sure. held a camera, and someone just pushed me forward on smooth surface, that would kind of look like a dolly cam. And so I I feel like you.
0: So that's why you purposely broke your leg.
2: Yeah. 100 like, percent
0: like anna you can Every sit audition. in a wheelchair if you're not if your leg isn't fine. i mean that's
2: kind of how i did it. i had a show called riley rewind and all of our dolly shots were just wheelchairs because the dollies were taking too long to set up so it was just like oh, just, you
0: had a dolly and you'd use the wheelchair and yeah
2: and, and especially in times of crisis when it's like okay we got two hours before we have to be out of this high school just use the wheelchair who cares yeah, yeah.
0: and you had a person sitting in it holding the mm-hmm. camera in their hands mm-hmm. yeah dps are always like putting the dolly on like four sets of tracks and skate wheels and all this yeah. polish yeah. and all this stuff and you're like dude I'm probably not even going to use yeah. the moving part of this shot so yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> it's let's okay describe, if there's yeah. a tiny little bump <laughs> like, DPs no love it, it so. when, when you tell them you're not going to use their work <laughs> they love it well it's <laughs> like you know when you're like oh it would be, oh, be kind of nice if yeah. there was like a little push here and they're like okay yeah we can do that and then it's like 20 minutes later I'm like Is this all just for that tiny little push? And they're like, yeah, well, we need to to move all the lights.
1: Well, I do think that there is with directing the situation where when you do such a good job of fostering people into like being really excited and really creative of like, yeah, let's go all out on everything. Then you turn into that guy that has to tone everyone down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. you're like, yeah, like that shot is really good, but I am going to cut the beginning off because this is a, you know, three minute spot or whatever. And so being the no person is kind of like this weird double-edged sword with everything. You still want to, like, inspire Mm -hmm. people to, like, do their best and to contribute everything they can. But, like, putting a joke on a joke on a joke, especially with props, I feel like. Mm. Sometimes it'll be like, isn't this really funny? And it's like, well, I just need it to be a telephone, guys. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Sometimes when I did this Lifetime movie that we were talking about earlier, the DP that I ended up hiring, I hired because one of the things he said was if we're running super late and we still have to shoot like five pages, I'm willing to compromise the lighting a little bit. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, well that's like the type of production we need, you know, yeah, we need fast people. And, and sometimes getting the performance or getting I'd, a lot of times much rather have multiple takes to choose right. from mm-hmm. and to work out than one perfectly lit take. that's not that amazing. Have we
1: ever talked about pencils down on no. the podcast? That's a phrase that I will use. It's like, you know, it's notorious. Like people that work with me regularly will like tease me about saying pencils down. And it, you know, it comes from like the SATs, right? Like, but really what it it means is like, hey guys, I know we could all tweak for a while longer, but you have to stop because I have to get my shot. Mm -hmm. And I know you will make it better if you had a little bit more time. Sorry. Action. You know what I mean? So pencils down down. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I'll use that. Yeah.
0: I've
2: been uh, really lucky. Like, I discovered early on that, like, I don't mind running over because I'm the executive producer and the director. Because in, in my opinion, it's always like, well, worst case scenario, we got to add another day, which essentially is coming out of my pocket. And wait, so, so,
0: so have you directed stuff that you weren't the EP on?
2: Mm, no. I've always, I've always directed my own stuff. Because uh, I've been offered other directing gigs, but then I'm like, why would I do this? Wait, no, I'm but not?
0: you directed that thing... The Sacagawea coin?
2: No, I didn't. That was Eulene Quang.
0: Oh, you just wrote it. Yeah. I know Eulene. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, that's the argument for making your own stuff. Because for me, it's always like, if we cannot go past 12 hours, we cannot. We just do not have the money to go past 12 hours ever. So I don't know if you saw Project Greenlight this latest season. But, you know, the producer, like. Literally, like the director's trying to get a shot, and the director, the producer's like walking around, like turning lights off, just like, Hey, that's a wrap. Sorry, yeah, she's like, we yeah. can't, everyone go home, we cannot pay you guys.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's also just the thing when, when you're a freelance director and like you know, you're hoping to work with that company again, mm-hmm. like being a person that can come in on time and on budget is extra important because, yeah, you know, maybe you're gonna make that project better by going over but you probably don't get to make the next one.
2: Well, I feel but, like a lot of that is is I mean, at least in my experience of what I've seen with directors, it's just a lack of preparation. Cuz there's a lot of times when I'm on a set where they'll do a setup here and then here and then they'll go back to that initial place and I'm like, why didn't we just knock it all out of order? You know, sure. why yeah, didn't yeah. you block shoot that? Yeah. And I get really frustrated especially when when people are like, "Well, we'll just shoot it chronologically." I'm like, "You have four pages to get through in this like 12-hour day. That's not going to happen." especially because then by the end of the day everyone gets so stressed out and then the morale goes down and everyone takes it out on each other so I'm just like just do it the most efficient way possible
0: (laughs) yeah I mean you hear about these like huge directors that do that are they're successful because they're opportunistic like you hear Michael Bay will have his whole crew spend six hours setting up this shot and then he'll be like wait the sunset looks amazing everyone tear this down and let's shoot here (laughs) you know and he can do that and I saw that Warner Herzog is doing like a master class on directing or something. And he's like, no, storyboards, storyboards, ruin everything. It's like (laughs)
2: they're the instruments of college. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like, you're breaking into a world and you're, you're a thief and you're just stealing footage and it's not about preparing. It's about experiencing. But I guess, you know, it just depends on the type of film it is and the type of
1: filmmaker you Mm -hmm. are. I think there is like an element in me of like people pleasing, right? Like. You'll probably get another job if the product is good, and yeah. I think Anna, your point is just like make sure the product is good. That's the job of the director, mm-hmm. right and like if it's a little bit over here or there, you know the terms under which you're you're extending the deadline, even if it's out of your pocket or if it's from someone else's pocket. I feel like you probably have a pretty good sense of what you're really risking when you're mm-hmm. doing that
2: um yeah, definitely i mean i'm I'm big on I'm my own my own AD and I'm my own accountant so I always make sure I have everything budgeted in advance I know exactly what I want going in and then if I need more time sometimes I'll take that time and sometimes I won't it just depends you know on location and everyone's availabilities and stuff but I think I think as much as the end product I really love the experience of stuff like I mentioned this on Miss 2059's Wrapping Day, but that pilot was like the worst thing I'd ever done in my life. And I lost a bunch of friends and I was just like, I don't ever want to be on a set like that again. And so every time I walk on a set, I just like, I love my job and I'm going to be a great person to be around. And this is, should be as great of a, an experience as the end product.
1: Is there anything specific that you wouldn't do again based off of that experience?
2: Oh, there's so many things. Um, I wouldn't direct produce, star as the two leads, and be the EP of a single project ever again. That was yeah. way too many hats, yeah, yeah. especially for sci fi. Um, and it was the first time I'd ever done. And
0: uh, full creature makeup. Full like, creature. you guys should check this out. Like, the first time I saw your pilot, I was like, what?
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> how did you.
0: I was like, I would never even like dare try to do this because I'd feel like it's not possible and then you're just like doing everything like it's no big deal. <laughs>
2: you just learn I mean I never went to film school so it's like making shorts and making YouTube videos to me has always been like oh this is how I practice and this is how I get better but yeah I just feel like like knowing how much I can actually take on is what I was what I learned with that so it's like I can direct and act but I, only if it's a character in my wheelhouse and mm-hmm. I can produce and direct but not if I'm acting so no more than like two hats is what I say.
1: Warner Herzog also said don't go to film school Sorry, man. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny because he also has a filmmaking boot camp that you could describe. No, he said you can learn everything about filmmaking in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what he week. said. He said, "Don't go to film school; the, you can learn everything." in The two weeks, weeks that you're paying for yeah. at his boot camp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Werner.
0: Oh God. So
1: that's
0: the funniest. To rewind back to some, sorry, I yeah. Just, I think more than a lot of our guests, you just have a lot of insights on like the actor director relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said that. You, get, you don't like it when actors say, oh, my character wouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. But can we talk about one scene specifically from Miss uh, yeah. 2059? Yeah, sure. So there's the scene that's in the first episode where you ar- appear on this alien spacecraft. Mm-hmm. And there's all these crazy aliens. And I remember when we were on set, I guess I thought for the moment, like character aside and everything else aside... Like, the s- more scared and surprised and shocked you are by this whole thing, the more it's like, I'm gonna die, oh shit, uh, that it could be, mm-hmm. the more impactful. Like, just just want to contrast it with, like, your safety on Earth and, like, your total acceptance on Earth. But for you, I remember on set, you're like, well, my character knows that there's aliens, mm-hmm. that aliens exist, and that we go, go to other planets, and my sister was gonna come here, so, like, why, it doesn't make any sense for me to freak out I think um, the only right difference there.
2: there is that I made that character. <laughs> so it's like, I'm talking about like if it's an actor who had nothing to do with the creative process. Because mm-hmm. I felt like I was in the writer's room, you know, I made the pilot. Like it's something that I I had to like beat out and make a Bible for for a really long time. So I very much felt like, oh, Victoria is my character who I've had for the longest time. If I was just an actor that was hired, I would never argued with that with you. I would have been like, well, this is your vision. You, you tell me what you want and we'll do all as many takes. I mostly get frustrated when it's like, uh, like if I've been on a couple of thriller movies where the actors don't want to do the fake scares. They're like, my mm-hmm. character would never do that. That's so that's so mean for her to mislead this other character. <laughs> and I'm like, but that's the movie. That's right. your
0: job. Right. Um, and it's built around these moments. Which yes. It is. I mean, look. The, it's always going to be best. The quality is going to be good if the character is true and everything is like coming from the character. Mm-hmm. But you're also trying to build in like moments, especially mm-hmm. a, a thriller, a horror, like scared moments, you know. And so it's it's hard to balance that. I mean, if it's written really well and directed well and put together well, then it, it'll feel like one and the same. Like this is mm-hmm. the type of character yeah. that would
1: do a fake scare. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, th- I think there's two things that I think of when we're talking about this. So one, my my wife is an actor. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, she's trained a bunch of different places, but most recently has kind of gotten into like a little more of like a hippy dippy method sort of situation. Like Vincent D'Onofrio will come and teach and he's like famously method and all that stuff. And she's done like, you know, like the exact opposite for a long time as well. So this was kind of a nice 180 for her repertoire. But as a pro, you know, she knows that you can't be like, hold on, I need 15 minutes to go to a breathing exercise and Mm -hmm. sensory you know, journey or whatever <laughs> right, and so you know, so she's a realist about it all, and like I think there's a the role of the actor is a little bit of like figuring out the compromise between a director being like, "I need you to just scream fifteen times at me real quick and making it a true authentic grounded performance, right mm-hmm. because it is your face up there right yeah. like you you don't want to. You don't, uh, want to get neg- you don't want people to think you're a bad to actor be bad, bad because bad actor. you're following, yeah, yeah. listening Just to because, the director. Yeah, some director's like, hey, I've got 10 minutes, do yeah. it, right? And I think sometimes directors lose sight of that a little bit. Like, there is that vulnerability of, like, if Oren was like, hey, Anna, I really need you to do a bad performance real quick, mm-hmm. and we're rolling, you know, you, I think you're you're lucky in that, like, you have the authority to be like, hey, we're not using that take. Mm-hmm. And, like, Oren would probably be like, okay, that's fine, Right. But oftentimes actors aren't, and I think that's really interesting. But um,
2: I, I mean, I agree. I don't, ha- I don't like. I won't banish an actor for, of course, saying yeah, yeah. something. I think it, it just gets to a point where it's like, do you trust the director you're right, working right. with? There is a, a sense of trust because you know I could feel bad about a performance, but then I could watch it back on on camera, and I'm like, oh no, that's fine. I can't yeah. read any of my insecurities or any of my anxieties.
1: I, I think that's right on. Right, it really is about trust. Right, mm-hmm. like. If if a director is guiding you through something that maybe feels off or a little weird or strange and you don't trust that person, then that's when you end up in a stalemate, mm-hmm. right? But a director who has your back and isn't going to use something that's lame mm-hmm. because they don't want to make a lame thing, mm-hmm. then you're set. Then you're in a, a great situation either way. Yeah. Basically, that's why you got to like trust each other, right. which mm-hmm. is really
0: hard. Right. And I mean, from a director's point of view, like even like on our show, like it's it's tricky when the person you're directing is wrote created and is eping the show, <laughs> you know because it's like it's like TV directing. I assume I haven't really done that much mm. of it, but you know if you go to direct an episode of Mad Men and you tell John Hamm like, oh, what if you get really angry and he goes, well, I wouldn't get really angry. That is not <laughs> fair. Then like he obviously
1: trumps the director. Yeah. Well, and I, that was my other point, actually, is that there's a little bit of it that's nice to mm-hmm. be like, oh, okay, you're you're the guardian of this character and their true motivations, and I'm thinking about where we're going to put the camera and can we make our day and like what tomorrow is looking like and if we're going to overtime, what does that do to my time schedule? All, mm-hmm. all of that other junk. And sometimes it's nice for an actor to be like, hey, I don't think this is exactly what you want. And to just give yourself a second to be like wait a minute is that right or isn't it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean
2: i mean it definitely is a collaboration at the end of the day everyone has to come together to make it really good i think it's the job of the director to have that vision to execute it efficiently with everyone's time and for everyone to chime in their ideas and for Mm -hmm. you to see what you know take it take it seriously see what fits see what doesn't
1: i'm just saying i want you to throw a tantrum if i ever direct you oh perfect great i will Cool. (laughs) we're set
2: I'll be the, the best tantrum on set ever. <laughs> then you can have your baby and then come back to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I think, I don't know, some, it, one of the things I learned, I, I like it when an actor says, like, this doesn't feel right to me mm-hmm. because it gives me an opportunity to, like, direct where it's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if anyone really knows how to direct or how to tell people something to, like, make them feel something but I just love saying well like what what would feel right like let's talk about it. like how how would you react or and it lets the actor really kind of put their input in be, you know in a thoughtful way mm-hmm. and I don't know I feel like I feel like you end up with something better and mm-hmm. I did this that lifetime movie I just talked about Lori, it was Lori Lachlan, who's you know uh, Aunt Becky from Full House mm-hmm. she was like the lead and she'd been acting for like 35 years or whatever and it was like my second, you know, big project and I just felt like she was way more of an authority on acting than I was. And so if she ever didn't feel like something felt right, I mm-hmm. wanted her to tell me and I wanted to f- figure out in a way that she felt happy because, interesting, you know, as a director, you're a lot of times not the most knowledgeable or the most experienced person on set. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like it when I can learn from the actors, you know. But I feel like every actor
2: should be forced to edit. Because you like a lot of people when I work when we work together and like something about this scene doesn't feel like it's working to me. I'm like, well, it will in the edit, you know, <laughs> right. because like even if the pacing's off, yeah. you know, or when people are like, don't overlap each other, and you have to like give it a beat, like all like actors all the time hate that they feel like so weird about it. And I'm like, it's fine, like that's what you need to do for the edit people aren't trying to make something that's crappy. You know, it reflects on, especially the director. If a movie sucks, almost always the director's blamed. So I, I just get frustrated when people think that something's not working, but it's like, no, this is just what's necessary to get the pieces to put together in the end. I feel like anytime I feel like I have a, a super amazing take in the moment, it's, it's almost never used. You know, it's always something else that fits into the grand scheme of things.
0: Right. So speaking of editing, do you have... So you, I was telling Matt about this article I read a while ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked about it or not, but I think we did. It's called like it was called the YouTube voice. Oh so you yeah. Hey yeah, guys. Yeah, and, hey, it, guys. <laughs> yeah, and I a, say, I always say what's up YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about there's there's a certain cadence and style of speech and enunciation that some people do on camera that makes them very like watchable. And mm. they they had your video as like one of the main videos that they talked about you and um what's her name the Australian girl
2: oh Natalie Tran
0: yeah that's been she's been around for really long Mm -hmm. time right yeah and it just talked about how it like trying to analyze your voices and all these other people's voices Mm -hmm. and so I was wondering like what when you're you know there's very bad boring vlogs out there Mm -hmm. like what do you do that makes your stuff like so watchable and entertaining do you have it are there some tricks that you do or do you ever Mm -hmm. make stuff that's not good and you don't put it up
2: I I very rarely not put something up because I know that someone somewhere is going to like it and that I'm my own worst critic and I have a a video a week of a a deadline. So if I make it, I got to put it out there unless it's complete garbage. But what I do... To make it engaging, I guess I I use a lot of cutaways. So my videos are like one long monologue where I will cut away to either pay off a setup as a joke to illustrate something that I said in a very funny way or to have sort of an analogous comparison. And uh, I always try to make my videos no more than two and a half, three minutes and then an endorsement or sponsorship at the end of it. Uh, So I always try to make succinct to the point it's one stream of consciousness thought it try to be funny sometimes it doesn't work um and and it's
0: all 100 percent scripted
2: yes usually i'll I'll improvise a little bit in the moment but almost always I, i use the scripted takes but we did have a business meeting with someone a while ago when this happened to get you an initial treatment excuse me anyway from there if you like we didn't say anything at the time and in fact as the meeting progressed we actually both ended up forgetting about it until later that night during the meeting, did he... fart? Oh my god, yes, but I wasn't sure because he just totally shocked it off. I know, right? I was like, wait a second, did that just happen? If it had been me in that situation, I would have been all... And then, if we... Um, I, um, oh my god, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, please don't, I mean, I'm so... It's okay, don't worry, it happens. You don't understand. I can't let you live with this memory.
1: And you're a, a, a one-woman band, right? Like it's. Like, I was
2: yeah. just this year. I got a an editor, a GFX person, an assistant, and a producer.
1: Oh, nice!
0: And yeah. How? So I worked with uh, you know the Fine Brothers on yes. this big project, and they are they're also like experts at. Making they can shoot anything and edit it into something very watchable. Yeah. Even if it's like their one take spoiler, hundred spoilers. They can build the an room. empire out of children watching computer videos. <laughs> yeah, reacting yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. we'll pay you guys ten yeah, dollars, sorry. fine Brothers, <laughs> for saying React. No, but they I edited for them and they were like, you know, we've worked with all these editors and they all suck and we've seen your stuff and it's great, so we want you to Edit for us that are kind of oversee this editing, mm-hmm. and I did, and I edited it. Edited their project that was a, my music. It was like the second season of oh, my yeah. music. They got like a million dollars from YouTube, which was cool. Which yeah. is, it's crazy because it's actually not that much money when you think of what YouTube wants for that million dollars. It's like you need to make like fifty-five hours project <laughs> yeah. or something. It's <laughs> like the um, for Yeah, a yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's a million dollars, and yeah. we're giving it to YouTubers and i think nowadays that wouldn't play but this was like
1: five, four or five years ago yeah and at also, that point it was like no youtuber was getting a million dollars i think i can probably show. name all of the channels that survived that first initiative like yeah. i could probably name them on two hands okay. right like it's under like most people failed is my point basically oh well, like yeah. the
2: geek and sundry and all. yeah those it's guys. Geek,
1: and, geek and sundry above average the fine brothers yeah, but above average is like Lauren Michaels, and yeah. then they gave like Amy
0: Poehler a million dollars, and yeah. she like Smart made girls, like one video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Smart but Girls sold the legendary. Oh, okay. Yeah. So but they artist, Yeah. But so after our first episode, it was like two and a half minutes long. They sent us probably close to two hundred notes on the first episode. And they're like this, you know, when we edit, we edit, we never cut in the middle of a word. We never do this. Like always start with the wide shot, then the medium, then the close up, then go back and forth. Don't do this. Don't do that. We see what you're going for here, but that's not the way we edit. And so for me, I see like a lot of people like you that have like very kind of highly edited pieces of work that work because you have like a certain pace and cadence Mm -hmm. and stuff. Do you, did you find it hard to find an editor that can match exactly your style? Yeah, it was
2: really hard. My boyfriend was, uh, Brad is a professional editor, and uh, we he had to stop editing for me because <laughs> we were getting into so many fights about <laughs> him being my employee at the time, because it's a very specific thing, and now I have an editor sent from heaven named Zach Serpranat, and it's perfect because he gets it. He gets what I want. He does it. I rarely have notes. I'll have a couple things here and there, but he pretty much captures what I want like, right off the bat.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's why it used to drive me nuts about like these big YouTubers and people like companies trying to copy them because they're like, oh, we could just like pay some kid to talk to the camera. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand that these people are like expert, expert editors. Like they're so good at like putting these things together they're not just, like, some random kit. It's not like anyone can do this. Yeah. So it just uh, it's always bothered me that the, <laughs> the editing in, like, a vlog is not appreciated, you know? Yeah. Or, like, these cutaways and stuff. So, anyway. Haters hate. Yeah. I get really upset about post because I feel like no yeah. one cares about it. And it's, it's so like, where you though. make everything work. Yeah. You know? Well, so also you've I guess going back to like working with people that are more experienced than you sometimes like you've worked with a a bunch of celebrities You, that thing you did with Daniel Radcliffe, you directed, right?
2: Yes, I did.
0: And so when you're directing
1: sorry, someone li- like A little him. bit of context. What's the sorry. thing Daniel um, Radcliffe?
2: I did a video called What If? featuring Daniel Radcliffe. It was basically like a promo video for his new movie. But they were like, you get three hours with Daniel Radcliffe. No, I think it was an hour, sorry. It was one hour with Daniel Radcliffe on the set of the YouTube space to create a video. So I had to submit a pitch packet, a script, and my concept was basically like... Very meta, it was like, oh, I was being provided the opportunity to work with Daniel Radcliffe, and the whole video was about how I imagined it would go down, which was that, we, of course, we would fall in love, and he would propose to me immediately. But I had just gone through a breakup, and so I was like, oh, but I want to be single for a year, and Daniel, in my head, was giving me advice about how to not be so extreme. And yay, go me, right? Sticking to my resolve. But my imaginary Daniel Radcliffe was oddly insightful. What if you meet the right person? Well, I figure, you know, if I meet the right person, that uh, they'll wait for me. Don't you think love should unfold naturally? Well, yeah, but what if I'm not ready? Are we ever ready? For anything? You can't control the situation you're in. All you can do is react to it as openly and as honestly as you possibly can. It... <laughs> Wait, is that an invitation to kiss you?
0: No. No, no. Okay, just checking. Great. And yeah. so and and he was so into it.
2: He was so into it. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote it in a kiss scene. They were like, probably not going to happen. It's fine. <laughs>
0: and so is how many people got to do a video with him? Just you? Uh,
2: I think there were a few of us. There were two or three of us. I know Rhett and Link did it with him as well.
1: It's kind of like a, a new version of a junket, right? Yes. Where it's like, okay, like we get influencers and YouTubers and we kind of like let you run around with them yes. a little bit. Yeah. As long Super
2: as it subtly promotes the movie. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. And you've I mean you've worked with a
0: bunch of celebrities I imagine at this point. Mm-hmm. Like is are, do you ever get intimidated by them or.
2: Um, I very rarely fangirl over anybody because I I just know deep down everyone's probably a horrible person. Um <laughs>
1: Especially Daniel, Ryan. that that was the subject yeah. Everyone, just in case you were. But right. looking at it from the other
0: side, like obviously you're yeah. a celebrity. You know, you're one of the most well-known influencers on YouTube. You've been around for a while. You're done a lot of mainstream stuff. What's like when you go to some place like VidCon and stuff? How mm-hmm. what's your experience with fans? Like, do you like when people run up to you and talk mm-hmm. to you?
2: I like it if I'm in the the mental space for it. I think mm-hmm. the weird thing about being an influencer versus like a celebrity is like my fans think they're my friend because they watch my videos. They feel mm-hmm. like they know who I am. They feel like they have a, a, a relationship with me.
1: They've been in their your home. They know mm-hmm. who your friends are. All of that. They, know they like, do. I yeah. mean, that's them yeah. is own true, in a way,
2: it is in a way. But they know my persona that I put out there, so it's weird if someone comes up to me and starts joking and making fun of me like they're my really good friend. That's always a little weird. But on the other hand, I really, I really like it because it. I'm like, oh, you already like me. I don't have to work to make you like me. It, it it's very, it's an easy interaction. I just have to live up to being a nice, decent human being, and then my job is done. You know, um, so places like VidCon, they're a little exhausting because it, they very quickly become interaction after interaction after interaction where people just want selfies from you and uh it can get really tiring to just smile all day and have that same repeated moment on loop but i I like it as long as i'm in the mood to like meet people and like show that i'm grateful for their
0: support what if you're like at a restaurant let's say you're like at the grove or something eating like in the farmer's market and someone comes up to you in the middle of your meal while you're in in the middle of a conversation asks to take like a selfie yeah
2: i mean that stuff happens it 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 can get really annoying if I'm, like, in a deep conversation with a friend about a sensitive topic and someone comes up. But at the same time, I understand and I'm almost always like, okay, cool, yeah, let's take a photo, whatever. Um, I've only ever a couple times, like, snapped on someone and be like, I'm in the middle of something very serious right now. Like, I can't be interrupted. But, I mean, that's just kind of something you have to live with as a side effect of this job. And, I mean, unfortunately, like, the more that increases, the more you know you're doing it well.
1: Right is there a um a, a difference between say a, a public place like the grove versus mm-hmm. like somewhere a like little a pri- more like private a, like or event, like, a, like less less an event like a movie, still a public place or but I mean like a fancy restaurant or something like that mm-hmm. do you find that you run into that the same way like Vid- VidCon is one end of the spectrum uh-huh. and a private event is the other end yeah what's kind of like the middle zone where Traveling. you feel safe oh interesting
2: like a lot of people recognize me on planes I was yeah, recognized yeah. in Italy by Chinese tourists yeah yeah anytime I go
1: these freaking Chinese people are <laughs> taking over Italy <laughs> <It's on> your- <laughs> My Italian so, grandmas.
2: Yeah, but I'm, I'm yeah. lucky. I'm, I'm lucky. I haven't gotten like jaded with it yeah. in the same way that I'm sure a lot of famous people do.
0: Well, I have. So I have a friend that's dating someone that's pretty famous. Mm-hmm. I would say, and there, I'm just learning so much about that lifestyle mm-hmm. of like everywhere you go, people are whispering, "Oh, we think that so and so," you know, and and it's interesting, like what she is okay with versus like what like. If someone walks up and says, hey, can I take a selfie? That's something that's, like, a little annoying. But if someone's like, hey, I really thought you did this great job in this movie. Like, if it feels, like, more genuine, yeah. like, like they like you not because you're known, but like you because they think you do good work. Oh, yeah. It seems, like, more valuable in a way.
2: Well, genuine, genuine like, treating you like a person, genuine, an attempt at connection is always so much nicer because otherwise you just feel like a prop. You feel like someone's propping a photo. So I'll have people, I was on an escalator once and some guy just ran up to me and shoved a camera up and like started taking photos of us. And I was like, ah, excuse me. I don't know who you are. And he didn't even ask. And then he just like walked away. Just like and at VidCon, especially if I have a line of people who want to meet me, some people don't even know who I am, but they'll get in the line because they're right. like, "Oh, this person must be worth something."
0: Or have you signed an autograph? I right? like don't. Sometimes people just like they sell signed yeah. pictures, and they'll right. just have you sign it, but they don't care. Yeah, it's just to, to sell to someone else.
2: Yeah, exactly. My my dad actually found it one of my autographs online.
0: <laughs> How, How much like, was it going for? It was
2: going for twenty dollars. Oh, nice. Was it
0: on a
1: picture or like something it was on that a you photo. personally own? Yeah,
2: I remember signing it for this guy who, like, shows up to all these events.
1: So on your vision board, it says autograph is worth $50? It's all
2: my goals for 2016.
1: Cool, cool, Um, cool. Very action-oriented. So uh, while we're on the topic of celebrity, I think this is really interesting because you've got, you know, you're distinctively, like, an influencer in Mm -hmm. in heavy quotes, right? But you've got, you know, a lot of mainstream credits and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're in huge movies and things Mm -hmm. like that. Do you find that there's a difference between... The way people approach you when they know you from something a little more traditional versus your internet work?
2: Definitely. Internet work is almost always a young female Asian girl or an old white man.
0: <laughs> and
2: traditional work is <laughs> Own usually. White, Jewish men. Oh, n- maybe. Yeah. Maybe.
0: Think about Jewish tell. men like love Asian women. I don't know why.
2: Who doesn't love us?
0: Yeah. Maybe. There you go. <laughs> That's a good point.
2: But traditional is almost always like a regular adult who is just like, oh, I loved you in Ant-Man or whatever. Someone more my age.
0: And what do you, I mean, this is maybe a loaded question, but when do you get more satisfaction from, acting or directing? Oh, acting
2: for sure, because I'm young and vain. I think when I'm older, I will want to step back off the camera and do more directing, but right now my face is young.
0: So if someone said, hey, you can be a recurring character on Unreal or you can have your own show on... AMC,
2: But if I could only direct the show? But you can't
0: cast yourself because it takes place in an
1: all-male prison.
2: Uh, I would do the recurring character. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I guess, like, you can always go back to directing later, right? Yeah.
2: And I, th- I feel like directing is something that I want to do for fun because you know you have to immerse yourself in a project from start to finish when you're directing. It's so much effort. It's so much thought it consumes your life. So for me, it's like I don't want to do that unless like I am totally, completely in love with the project. And if I do that, it takes me off the market as an actor.
0: Mm-hmm. But see, I guess on this podcast, we talk a lot about like trying to establish a voice. You know, yeah. Matt and I, most of our work is like directors for hire. So yeah. we're trying to bring a little bit of us into a project but we're also just trying to to do a project mm-hmm. actually actually turned this job down yesterday where you know we don't turn a lot of jobs down it was like a one-day shoot but I was like there's just and, and it was pretty well written and it was like a good project it was just like not at all anything that I would want to make you know mm-hmm. and so as a creator like you look at your channel and you look like that video you did with Brad where you and uh heidi and someone else you guys are making fun of oh the police men, detective the police. Yeah. yeah like Wait, you obviously oh, context t- yeah it's, it's called sorry.
2: women can be dicks too it's gender role reversal in the workplace so it's four female detectives harassing the new guy
0: oh, as a, yeah okay. opposed to four males right i was asking gonna a ask girl. heidi montague right
2: no uh heidi gardner she's a groundling oh,
0: okay so you have like i feel like you have stuff to say and mm-hmm. you have like a unique perspective and as a director, creator, writer, you kind of get to put that out there. But as a performer, you know, in Ant-Man, you are something you don't. Mm-hmm. So does that matter to you? Or?
2: Um, I like both worlds. I felt like, I feel like if I wasn't able to create for a long time, I would get very frustrated. I mean, that's kind of why I started creating, because I was frustrated with my career as an actor and having to audition for these stereotypical roles and being... Reliant on external sources to validate my sense of creativity, but now when I just book a role on a show, it's great because it's, it's a break from the constant creating and being the boss of everything because that can get exhausting. So I really look at it at acting on a set where, that I'm not super creatively involved in as sort of like, oh, this is my fun time. This is like where I just get to be fun and and have. Uh, creative freedom like in my character and and just be a part of like a cog in the in the machine instead mm-hmm. of having to run that machine
1: myself, yeah, I always joke when I'm directing something that's a right like a job for hire it's like oh, like half the job is already taken care of mm-hmm. right so uh, do do you feel though that if you didn't have those YouTube videos to fall back on, if you weren't on that grind as mm-hmm. well, that you would feel a little more worried about preserving your voice, hmm. Like is As that a free, director? Or just, just as an artist in general, mm-hmm. right? Like, like are you free because, you know, like every week you're going to put out a video mm-hmm. and your voice is going to be expressed in one way or another?
2: Definitely. I have enough platforms where I get to express myself that it never feels like I'm being going to be stifled in any way. Because I can be dark on stage if I'm doing stand-up, you know. It can be weird and random if I'm doing improv, if I want to say something meaningful in a funny way. I have YouTube or, you know, I can literally make anything that I want to at any time. So it, it, I never do feel like, oh, I'm going to lose my voice. Now it's just been about, like, how do I make my voice more distinct? How do I make my style more distinct? So I've been trying to incorporate more animation elements and, and giving my stuff more of, like, that VFXy vibe that I love from Edgar Wright so much. Mm-hmm. I look at people like Mike Diva, and when you see a Diva video, you know it's a Diva video sure. because of his specific style and the way that he cuts things. And so for me, it's like, well, even as a performer on YouTube, like I want to be able to have that, where if you see a certain video, you're like, oh, I recognize that as an Anna Arcana
0: project. The thing I directed yesterday, I was like, Mike Diva would kill this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like, should I tell them about Mike Diva? You're like, <laughs> He'd nah, probably I do could- it. Just, uh, just to so. make Mike's that d- shit a little more purple. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Like like yeah. neon blue yeah. and pink. Yeah, and and filter filter. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He's so, very particular. Like, I doubt yeah. he doesn't do a lot of director for higher work.
0: He yeah. would have done this. I think. I mean, it's a 15 second like Quiznos commercial where mm-hmm. it's just about being super weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically this man. It's, the opening shot is like a shot of a cocoon on a tree. And then a man hatches out of the cocoon and sees a sub for five dollars. It's like, what? A quiznos sub for only five dollars? Is this for real? And then a bird flies in and says yes and like eats him.
2: Wow, they're and, really learning from Old Spice. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is well, a little bit like those Terry Crews. To things. be
1: fair, Quiznos was weird for a long time. Yeah, they had yeah. those rat videos back in the day and They also had do you guys remember this was an early internet to TV adaptation. Do you guys remember the spun monkeys? Yeah, sorry, that's oh. what it was those, yeah, those yeah. are the rats I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like a like a viral video of like basically like dancing furballs with like faces morphed onto them. That's so And weird. they would sing a song called We Love the Subs. Mm-hmm. That became a Quiznos commercial that was like very buzzworthy in like 2004, oh probably. Oh my god
0: well what's uh where i mean i know while we were shooting so we were shooting like you know anna was basically i think in every single scene i think there's one scene that we shot that you aren't in with arden and uh Lahir um, <laughs> and it was while we were shooting that scene. Anna was like doing a stand-up show at the improv, <laughs> like, and it, we had two. We shot for eighteen days, and we had four days off. And those days off, Anna was shooting like a pilot for Comedy Central one mm-hmm. weekend, and like something else. You were d- doing the pickups produ- for a
2: movie, yeah, and
0: you're producing the uh, women YouTube Women's oh, yeah, Initiative yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> show, <laughs> like, so clearly you have stuff coming out mm-hmm. soon. What what can we see you in?
2: Um, the next movie I have coming out is called You Get Me, starring Bella Thorne. I think that's supposed to be out later this year or early next year. And then I am going to Georgia to film a movie called uh, Undying with Patrick Swanson.
0: Oh, is that Arnold's son? Yeah. Oh wow. I think it's wow.
2: the son from The Wife, not the maid.
0: Not the nanny. Yeah. Or, okay. Well, keep an eye out for his game. movie soon. Though <laughs> It's going to be really good. What's uh, so? This is a studio film.
2: Uh, oh. Yes, it's like a Germany studio film, oddly enough.
0: Okay, so do you get the, do you book these because you're an influencer and just because you're going Um, to audition?
2: You get me, I got because it was an awesomeness TV one, so I auditioned for that one. And then it was a, if you audition and we like your take, it's an offer. Undying is strictly as a traditional actress. Uh, They didn't, I don't think they know I'm an influencer still. Really? Yeah.
1: But your You know, you could get like a them, couple right? extra thousand bucks.
2: No, we don't because otherwise they try to work it into my contract. So you have to Social it. promo, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And they don't Speaking
1: have
2: the budget Speaking of which, for that.
1: you can still
0: watch Miss 2059. New episodes are coming out every week.
2: Every Tuesday on Go90.
0: I think there's six episodes at the time of this recording. There'll probably be like nine by the time we <laughs> put this up online. But uh, check it out. There's yeah. 12 in total.
2: Yeah, free to download, free to watch.
0: Yeah. So we... At the end of our show we do something called
1: unpaid endorsements.
2: Uh-huh. Unpaid endorsements.
1: That's pretty good. That's we pretty might good. be able to layer those two together. Oh. Maybe perfect. it just becomes a, a stack of like harmonizing. It's like a, yeah. So, Matt, you got anything? Yeah, I got two actually. The first one is a music video called Oh Goodbye, goodbye by AJJ. That's Andrew Jackson Jihad. And it's uh, like one of my favorite videos ever. It's basically, like, a riff on, like, a really terrible OK Go video where the guys are doing, like, oh, yes. choreographed You'd dancing and they're, video. like, wearing, like, matching T-shirts and colorful pants and there's, like, crappy ball pits. But, like, the choreography is in one shot. really terrible. It's all done in one shot. Um, but then... You know, the song's like a minute and a half, two minutes long. It's pretty short. And then there's five more minutes of self-congratulatory documentary about how hard it was to make the music video. And it just really <laughs> skewers OK Go in a way that's really funny and really on point and perfect because I love those videos. And it's incredible that they made a zero gravity music video, but also shut the fuck up a little bit as right. well. Oh it's like God. they got so. so good at that that it's annoying. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, so it's really incredible and is really really well observed. So that's one. And then the other one is a movie called Lost Souls, which is a n- documentary. It's on Netflix and it's it's a documentary about the making of the movie The Island of Doctor Moreau. Do you guys remember mm-hmm. this movie? It was like, that. boy, it's real bad and I love it with all my heart. It like came out when I was in high school and it's Brando and Val Kilmer. And like a bunch of like VFX gene splicing sort of stuff, and um, the director was kind of this underground crazy director that like had done all of these sort of really revolutionary like sort of like cyberpunk body horror movies. And they were like, "Oh, this guy's going to be incredible!" Like the the Island of Doctor Moreau is an adaptation of an H.G. Wells novel, if I'm remembering mm. correctly. And so it was his pet project that was slowly taken away from him everything that can go wrong goes wrong on this movie brando goes fucking bonkers and insists on wearing a bucket <laughs> on his head and wearing like white makeup the he whole time
0: bon- bonkers on every movie right? this
1: is like full-on brando bonkers and the director gets kicked off the movie and then sneaks back onto the set after a hurricane <laughs> in pigman makeup to watch the rest of the film get made. It's an incredible, incredible, crazy making of documentary. It's called Lost Souls. If you're interested in train wrecks or filmmaking, and I totally it recommend Netflix it. And is it on Netflix And it is anything? streaming on Netflix right now. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so those are my interests, basically, nice. guys, in a, in a nutshell. Okay.
0: Uh,
2: <laughs> I've got two as well. Oh, cool. The first one's a paid endorsement because I'm going to get kisses from it. Mm. Uh, my boyfriend, Brad Gage, did the Werner Herzog Masterclass parody.
0: Wait, oh. are you serious?
2: Yeah. It's Wait, so you
0: didn't even bring it up when I brought up the War- Werner Herzog I was
1: Herzog going to, but then
2: the, the subject had changed. Oh. So are, I figured this was a perfect opportunity. This per- yeah,
1: This is perfect.
2: Um, the best thing about it, though, is almost everything that he says mirrors what Werner Herzog actually says, and then he just takes it a small step further. Um, and his Werner Herzog impression is just mwah. The second one, my favorite web series of all time is called The Vault. It was made over the course of three or four years in some guy's apartment on weekends with actors, and it's the only web series I've seen where they have like pretty much one guy in a stark white room sitting down with buttons. That is the most engaging thing ever. It's it's the best thriller mystery comparable to like Lost I've ever seen online. So that's like one of my favorite web series.
1: The Vault. The Vault. Mm-hmm. Killer okay. and
0: Werner wow. Herzog's masterclass. Yeah, that's great. Wait, so did you guys watch his masterclass to make no. the parody?
2: No, we, we. Ooh, that's even better. We parodied the, uh, <laughs> the trailer. The trailer for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I I've done so many parodies of movies, and I've
1: almost all of them. I've only seen the trailer because. Yeah, yeah. Who cares the what trailer says everything. <laughs> well, and I think there's something about just being impressionistic about what the public thinks the movie is going to mm-hmm. be about, right? Like, that's really what you want to make fun of yeah. anyway. Yeah.
0: So this is a really, I always have horrible unpaid endorsements because it's like I literally think of
1: them as Matt is telling his. But today I watched this hold, like. Hold on, I want you to start over again. You've literally said that it's a bad endorsement <laughs> for like an thing. entire year. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> but then they're always pretty good.
0: This one's not that great. I literally saw a different film show in, endorse this today. So my endorsement is it's something probably most people already know about. But just the fact that you can type a name of a movie, any movie in YouTube, and type in behind the scenes and just see footage that's, like, very poorly edited and organized from a movie. Uh, you know, Matt has talked before about how, like, he buys Blu-rays so he can see, like, deleted scenes and behind mm-hmm. the scenes and nobody does that anymore. But you can see all that stuff on YouTube. And today I watched the behind the scenes for the BFG, you know, that Steven Spielberg oh, yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah. And it's horrible. It's literally just shots from, like, literally there will be a shot for 10 seconds of, like, Steven Spielberg showing his phone, something funny on his phone screen to, like, Kathleen Kennedy or something. It almost feels illegal. Like yeah. like it's stolen it's footage. It's like, do they know <laughs> yeah. that this is out there? Yeah. But sometimes you'll just get these little glimpses. Like, there is a part where Steven Spielberg is, like, talking to his DP, about how to frame a shot and he like, you know, holds his fingers like in a V like this and you're like, oh, I hold my fingers like that. That's cool. I'm doing it the right way, you know? (laughs) Or there was this part where like the DP is like showing Steven Spielberg the lens, you know, on a stick and he's like, yeah, so we'll be like here but we'll probably be like five feet higher and Spielberg's like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with the camera being this height. Let's just do it this height and it's like, you kind of always think that Steven Spielberg is like so precise and has such and he does these amazing wonders and he he just pulls things out of heaven and just like, oh, I know exactly how to do everything. Yeah, but there's something nice about him also. You just see his instinct and see how he's not always agreeing with everyone. And they do this, you know, he's doing like a hundred million dollar movie, but when they need to shake a bed, there's just like a grip there, like shaking the bed, you know, it's not like some huge machine. Yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of fun to get a glimpse, and you can basically write any movie like there's a the jungle book behind the scenes is like insane because you know it's all blue screen but they're seeing like the live compositing while they're shooting it anyway nice check it out like, i auditioned I, like,
2: for the wolf mom in that movie
0: in the jungle book mm-hmm. oh really and, and to be just mo- a voice. It's,
2: it's motion capture no you oh. would have to pretend to be a wolf for the whole film oh wow I didn't move we- at all in my audition. <laughs> I think that's why I didn't get it. But I, they gave you a scene where I was like, I feel like the mom wouldn't be moving. She's protecting her kid.
1: No, I <laughs> love the, no, idea the that actors telling me what they would do. <laughs> I hope you you were in like the suit with the ping pong balls attached no, to it. No, they just had, just, had like, you on a green moving. screen.
2: And, you're so, and I just like standing still the whole time. They're like, we loved your performance, but no movement at all. Not a good, not a strong choice.
0: <laughs> that's awesome well so Anna uh,
1: Anna Akana on YouTube yeah, Anna Akana yeah. on Twitter yeah how, how can people find internets. you yeah. it's
2: just my name Anna Akana
1: good branding yeah well thanks for hanging out Anna thanks
2: for having yeah. me guys it's always fun to talk show
1: if you want to learn a little bit more about our podcast you can follow us on Twitter at Just Shoot It Pod or visit the website Just Shoot It Podcast.com. I'm at Mr. Matt Inlow. and I'm at Smitey Pileg our episode was edited by Eric Capo music by steve combs see you next week take it away steve unpaid endorsements
0: something like that
1: oh you, you, you make in front of the Hannah. jingle no we
0: made it once one oh, okay. of our guests sang it you're free to sing it we might use yeah, yeah. yours
1: if you if you sang an unpaid endorsements jingle right just now matt could, could you are farther away from the microphone well, we're not going to use this part. <laughs> okay. Anna, if you sang an unpaid endorsements jingle to any tune you wanted, oh. that we would use that as the unpaid endorsements jingle. I sing jingle.
2: everything. Unpaid endorsements. How's that? Na, 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 na. That's
1: pretty good. That's we pretty might good. be able to layer those two together. Oh, Maybe perfect. it just becomes a, a stacking like thing. Like a harmonizing. It's like, yeah.